welcome to episode seven of the Sabbathcast. Myself, Ollie Warner, and Glyn Price, as always. How are you doing, Glyn? I'm all right, Ollie. Yeah. I, I, sometimes when we introduce this podcast and we say episode seven, we, we forget to say for the season. We should we should also remind people we've done <laughs> over 150 podcasts, haven't we, Ollie? So yeah, this is just seven for this season, isn't it? But there's already a lot happened in seven episodes so far, isn't there, Ollie? Yeah, there's lots of things <laughs> that have happened this season, lots to discuss. Yeah. And this is a bumper episode as well. Um, even on by Thursday, I thought this was going to be a big podcast. Mm. So, yeah, what we've done today is we're going to go through um, the Rotherham game and some kind of summaries and outputs from that. Yeah. Then we're going to talk it about, um, a little bit about the fan reaction to that game. I think it's quite interesting. Then we're going to look at the transfer dealings that happened in the week. And then we're going to move on to the Rochdale game. And then after the Rochdale game, we're going to have, we're only three um, league games in, but I think it's still worth just having a bit of a discussion about where we are, you know, and I've I've done a bit of a good and what's bad about the team at the moment, just to have some discussion and analysis of, of where we are. So yeah, a bit of a chronological kind of approach to the week, because obviously the signings came after the after the defeat to Rotherham. I think that's fair, Arnie. Normally, we always say on this podcast, don't we, 10 games is a good place to judge it. And I think that we're making some initial observations just based on what's happening yeah, in games. You, you can yeah. do that, can't you? You're still watching these games. And let's be honest, similar patterns have been in the first four games and similar patterns were occurring in the pre-season. So I think it's clearly something within this team and, and the tactical layout of it and, and the way the players are playing. So we're not we're not writing anyone off and we're not we're calling the season a bust yet. You know, we're 12th in the bloody league. It's a bit a bit odd, isn't it? But there's certainly things that are concern and there's certainly things that um, sort of people are being positive about. But I think it's, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to do it in chronological order this week, really, because obviously the transfer dealings in the middle of the week kind of played into what happened on the Saturday. Normally we sort of do that in Saturday news, but um, it'd be a bit, bit daft to do it this week like that. So yeah, it's, it'll be a bit of an interesting, different approach to it but um cover the same things and um you didn't go to Rotherham did you Ollie and I've got to do the, the heavy lifting on that which won't be too much fun considering we lost 4-0 so I think that's probably the best place to start mate let's get into Rotherham turn by Ryan Woods it's a chance to get the ball across as well it's into the centre and headed in from close range by Tom Bradshaw and just two minutes gone Shrewsbury have taken the lead so Tuesday night Shrewsbury Town 0 and Rotherham 4 <laughs> Um, Shooter Town are out of the Carabao Cup, so one less competition to focus on. Um, attendance just over, just under three thousand, um, so not ideal. Um, <laughs> and talking of ideal, we didn't really have an ideal start um, to this game. Nope. Um, but before we get into kind of the details, there was a lot of changes to this team. Um, so Murphy made his debut at thirty-seven. Yeah. Um, we played same similar kind of formation as, as we're going to. I think we're going to see under Ricketts all this season. Um, so we had Beckles, Ebanks, Landon, and Waterfall in defence. Barnett and Goldburn, wing-backs. Um, then a midfield three, which I'll ask you how they played in a second, Glenn. So we had Walker, McCormick and Rowland, mm-hmm. and then Okinabiri and Morrison up front. So, you know, you know, while this was a weakened side, obviously weakened wing-backs, weakened central midfield, but we still had, you know, three professional central defenders and two professional strikers, you know, in terms of, you know, played quite a lot of league games. Um, but yeah, what was your view on the team, Glenn? And also, just maybe trying to give a bit of analysis. How did the midfield mid, midfield three line up? <laughs> well, uh, let's start with with the the lineup. I mean, eight changes told told the tale for me, really, Ollie. In that. Um, Made me feel. I mean, I listened to Ricketts all week, and I was I was really looking forward to this cup game. I took took my son and my daughter to the game because it's obviously still the school holidays. My daughter's first game under the light, so she was looking forward to it. And I thought we'll, we'll take it semi seriously. You know, it was another team in League One that we've got a chance of beating at home. And League Cup runs have been really good fun, haven't they? In the few years we've been we've doing better than we had done in the last maybe last year and this year. Um, obviously beating Leicester and Blackburn and all sorts of teams, wasn't there? So. I was looking forward to it. I like a cup run, but it just felt eight changes straight away in a half-closed stadium. It really felt like 
this wasn't a proper game. It felt like a checker trade game, Ollie, to be honest with you, the way that we lined up. And as soon as the game started, I suppose, and seeing how that midfield sort of, in terms of the tactics of it, I'll talk about how they played. But yeah, Walker took the, the sort of sitting role, which baffled me considering how he's played in, in the games I've seen. And then Roland was probably the more attacking and McCormick was trying to get up there, but he kind of fell halfway between. So it almost was like a, a line, if you will. Walker, McCormick and then Roland up front and McCormick and Roland maybe rotated a little bit, but that's that's how they lined up really. Um, but in terms of the lineup, yeah, the eight changes just unsettled everything. So Beckles, Ebanks, Landau, Morrison, who'd been playing games, um, they just got unsettled by the way the whole team was really and the, and the, the poor performance that a lot of players put in. Yeah, poor performance. I think that's a good summary of the game. Yeah, um, it is. So I watched. I watched the goals back um, to get a sense of you know how we conceded, oh conceded, trying to get a sense of the game. I, I did see it. I did see at one point, Ali, you were tempted to watch the whole game back on iFollow, weren't you? And you were you were you were st- steered clear by many of our listeners to the podcast and, and followers we've got on Twitter. And I think you did the right thing not watching this game back, Ollie, because there really wasn't a lot to write home about. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Um, there wasn't. But I did watch the goals just to kind yeah. of get a sense of how we defended. What what didn't go very well, and how kind of we were broken down. Um, and it's fair to say that the goals we conceded were pretty schoolboyish. Yep, yep. Um, first one happened um, very very quickly in the first minute. Actually, um, essentially they bit of a lump ball forward from from a, a deep right back position, took our midfield apart with some one twos, mm-hmm. and then. Or oh, this is quite awkward, really, for the central defenders having three central defenders getting caught over the top. And Ebanks Lander was a bit off there in terms of you know keeping track. Yep. Um, he then then um, Murphy comes out. Actually, makes a really really good tackle and wins the ball. Yep. Um, but then the Rotherham player fires it back into the empty net. And yeah, so you've got to the Granglin. You've got your kids there. They're excited. <laughs> you settled in your seat and. Then yeah, one nil down straight away. It, it, it looked like a really poor goal. Let's say people people were literally just sitting down still. People were still coming in, you know. Le- you know. Le- well, yeah, the cameraman <laughs> was the cameraman who's works for the Shrewsbury Shropshire Star hadn't even set up yet no. when when they did when the ball um, the guy launched that ball back up from the right back position. I mean, you can't start a worse game. It's funny. I, we, we obviously let another goal in a couple of minutes later, and I was talking to Stu Dunn. Um, we played for the away supporters this weekend. We got them back up and running, and we'll do a little bit on that on the podcast over the next few weeks, really. But we've got too much to talk about to cover it today. But um. Yeah, I was talking to Stuart Dunn, and even Stuart Dunn, you know, how many games has he covered? He said he cannot remember a worse start to a game than, than letting two goals in three minutes. And, and it was just, the, the tone was set really with that first goal. We looked slow, didn't switch on anywhere near enough. Um, and, you know, I do, I do want to, you know, be really hard on Waterfall because his, his time at this football club was poor in general, wasn't it? Other than a few good moments, I suppose. And we'll come to talking about him. But everything just felt unsettled at the back. We've been so solid and the defence has been the thing we don't need to worry about. Um that it just seemed completely off whether it was Goldborn and Waterfall and, and Barnett having been put into that five and the, the other two not really being able to accommodate it I don't know but we just we just looked like we were going to get ripped apart um, you know and, and obviously it, it happened straight away and then it happened soon after so not not a first good goal and, and the second goal was possibly worse I think it was worse Ollie the second goal and people got really mad like three minutes into the game when this one went in yeah from a team perspective I think the first one was worse oh, because right, there more players involved and more opportunities to stop the attack but yeah, from a kind of clamorous, kind of you yeah. know, um, embarrassing kind of yeah, this is probably worse. Yeah, um, we had Waterfall and Ebanks Lander went it for a header. They both lost it. <laughs> Waterfall goes down injured, um, and then um, Vassal just has a really good strike and fires into the back of the net. But, yeah, and yeah, two two minutes, two three minutes in. Yeah, and yeah, two 0 down. 
um, against a, a pretty solid and very large Rotherham side. That was game over then, wasn't it, Glenn? So, it, it was. Yeah, two minutes in and it's game over. Oh, it, was, it was embarrassing. Embarrassing is the word to use. I, I said that at the end of the game anyway, but it was embarrassing at that point in time. And and just we just shell-shocked, you know. And, and you you saw the Rotherham player, when they went 2-1 up, the, the, one of the guys ran over and he was giving it a big fist pump to his manager because they, they must have felt like this is game over the way we were playing because it was just shambolic. And... And, and it didn't really get any better. I know they didn't score. You know, we could we could talk about the way the game went. You know, and we're probably just going to do it as a bit of a summary with some of the major issues that I picked up from it. But in general, my summary of this game was that we were battered from start to finish. We did we never had control of the game, not one bit of it, Ollie. You know, we had a bit where we had a bit of possession and we we passed it around a little bit at the back, but at no point did we ever look like we threatened to a goal. A couple of long shots here and there, but. It was just a case of how many they were going to get, Ollie. And obviously we'll go on and talk about the fact they got four, but they could easily have scored six, seven. It could have been horrendous, mate. And they missed a couple of sitters as well during the game. And there was a lot of angst, which we'll talk about at the end of this as well. And it just it just was poor. And for me, you know, you've got to, you've got to pick some points at Ricketts because of the team he selected and, and the way that he treated this cup competition. But also there are some experienced players that have played a fair few games now, like Goldborn, Walker, Faye, Morrison... And Waterfall, you know, these are all experienced professionals and their their performances, all of those guys were shambolic, to be honest with you. And, you know, you could easily point a finger at a few of those players, maybe not Faye and Morrison yet, but easy, you could easily say you could easily say Waterfall and Water, Walker are not a League One standard player and, and that evidenced it for me. Yeah, Waterfall was obviously um, his last game and yeah. <laughs> what a way um, to go out though. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not ideal being on the pitch a couple of minutes, Jeez. conceding two goals and yeah, it's... Um, it kind of sums up his time at Shrewsbury. And it does. I think we're relieved, and he's probably maybe relieved as well, that um, yeah, he's now moved on. Yeah, we'll talk about him in the midweek bit as yeah. well, about, about him moving on. But it just, you know, poetic, the way he, his time at Shrewsbury finished, really, in the most shambolic of fashions. But there we go. Uh, the rest of the first half, I, I've got very little to say. I remember a Brad Walker shot from long range that was about as close as we came. But when I say a long range shot, it was so wide that it was closer to the corner flag and it was about... 10 foot above the bar so that, that wasn't particularly impressive the only real positives I can take out that first half was that Roland put a bit of effort in to be honest with you mate he um, he was he was quite hard working and also the other creditable thing that happened in the first half is when Waterfall went off Pierre came on he was at fault for a later goal I think in some respects but we did settle a little bit defensively when he came on and I think Ollie that shows how good of a player he is to be honest with you he did try and bring things together a little bit um, and stem a bit of the tide but the, re- the real issue for me in this game was the midfield three Ollie they were Totally overrun by three, well, two or three, depending on how many they had at that point in time around them. Powerful, strong Rotherham players. Um, and the whole Rotherham team was strong and physical. And they just muscled us out. You know, you use the old tried and tested phrase of, of men against boys, and it really was that. Um, the only issue is that we weren't just playing kids. You know, we only had two kids in there. But it was it was other players who had more experience that should have been standing up to the physicality, and they just wilted away. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I'd say midfield is is so key um, in, in 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 any football game and when I was watching the kind of st- I watched from the start so obviously heard a bit of the intro and saw the kickoff and you just saw um, McCormick um, Roland Ugh. and Walker standing there yeah and yeah, yeah it, I don't know obviously hindsight I knew what was coming but just looking at that midfield um, it can't be too much of a surprise that we lost the game having that midfield and that's not a criticism of Roland. Um, it's more of a criticism of, of probably Walker and McCormick, but also the management and, and the team and where we are. And yeah, we'll talk about Walker for a second. So I've seen him play obviously at Ludlow and he just looked, he, he looked like someone who won a competition <laughs> um, to play in a Shrewsbury team. He still does. Uh, he was, 
And then, yeah, this obviously game here as, as well was quite poor. So it was we signed a couple of players, but yeah. It, it wasn't just that he was poor. He was very, very bad, Ollie. Like, and we, we kind of have thrown him a little bit of a bone with that performance at, at Ludlow where we, it was pre-season, he's just getting up to speed. But he looked worse than at Ludlow in some respects in this game because oh he was... His passing was atro- atrocious. Like he, at one point, I think I tweeted, I don't actually think he can pass the ball because he never found a town player, or he got rushed and, and lost it. He, you know, dwell on the ball and lose it, or he play it straight out of play a couple of times. And oh man, people were really getting on his back, you know. And it's funny, you know, there always seems to be a scapegoat issues, but doesn't there? And someone was sort of jokingly saying when Waterfall went, "Who's going to be the next scapegoat?" Hundred percent nailed on. If he's here and he's playing bits of the season, Walker's going to get the scapegoat because he is. He's not League One standard, Ollie, and it's a shame. And to be honest with you, the way the midfield's gone now with having bought more in, he probably needs to get out on loan, League Two maybe, or Conference, and, and just get games again and, and get it back up because he he was atrocious. You know, I, I, I he was no better than a two if you were marking him out of ten. He was really poor. Um, just didn't affect the game. But the other two weren't great either. You know, Ro- Roland to be fair was the best in an attacking sense, and he did give us some drive, and he he did try to get up there with with Mr. Static Morrison and and Faye, who's just his head's gone in this game. He just wasn't with it at all. So I give Roland some credit but even then he's young and there was a couple of times where he was quite naive when when they were attacking us and didn't track back maybe as much as he could have done and was leaving big gaps for them to exploit and McCormick just looked lost you know he's he's starting to play men's professional football for the first time in his career a little bit in in terms of of making the step up to this level against physical teams and he hasn't got it he's he's a young kid and it's funny on Saturday obviously he played as as, as well and um, had a little bit of the game didn't he look at him and he is dead young and um to, to to put that three midfielders in there just was was the game was over really and um, yeah sad I I I I'd say Roland was the only one that came out with any credit really for me. Just talk about the other goals very quickly. Go on. So yeah. The third goal was um, a cross to the back post, headed over, back over, and then headed in, um, which was really poor. Where he had neither McCormick or Goldblum um, deciding to put the pressure on the ball. And then obviously Beckles fails to win his header, so that was really poor. And then the fourth one was a corner in the 83rd minute, headed towards goal. Um, it, it was a scramble, and obviously they just wanted it more, and they, they put the ball back in the net. And yeah, that was the kind of the the goals that we conceded. Yeah, and yeah. yeah I, you know, there was a lot of issues highlighted in that game. And, it, and as I said, it could have been more. They, they missed some equally presentable chances. I think Murphy made one good save. There was another one where I think Faye somehow was back there clearing off the line, and so there was a few weird things that went on in the game. But um, you talk about Goldborn, him and Morrison hardly moved during the game, and Morrison's attitude stank to holy hell. He just moaned at young lads, and I don't know why, because he didn't he didn't do anything. You know, he's supposed to be the senior leader on the team, and I saw nothing. I saw absolutely nothing in Morrison against Rotherham, and he was rightly substituted. And when Wally came on, again, Wally did his usual thing. He gave us a bit of energy and might have been a bit headless chicken at times against Rotherham because no one was really that good. But he did improve things for us, and, and probably we had our better spell um, in the closing stages, really, where Wally was on, and I, th- I think um, we made another sub. I can't remember who came on now who didn't do too bad. Um, and that, that was probably about as good as it got, really. But, yeah, Goldborn was, was atrocious as well, I thought. Um, Barnett, you know, young lad, let's, let's talk about him quickly. He tried hard, but he's not a right wing back, I don't think. You know, he's, he's known as a midfielder, and... Um, I can't imagine he would have played any worse in central midfield than McCormick. So I would have played him there. But however, we've got no one else that can play right wing back, I suppose, at the moment, other than Love. So that, that kind of restricts us. But all, all in all, it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing result. And I, I saw a lot of people, you know, we're, we're going to come on to that negative reaction and why it happened is probably as bad as it did. But booed him off at the end. You know, that's three games into the season. Rightly so, in my opinion. It was a very, very poor performance. You know, Murphy doesn't come out with any credit. He could have done better on a few of the goals. And Ricketts stood impassively during the whole game. And, 
you know, obviously the Rotherham manager's been there a while now and he was really shouting at them the whole way through. Instructions, do this, pull here, pull there. It did look a little bit like Ricketts didn't really know how to solve that problem with the players he had. And that's probably fair enough. He he made his bed and he had to lie in it and there was probably no way we were going to get anything other than a, you know, keep the score down kind of approach to things. But, um, yeah, it was a negative setup, Ollie. They, they stayed too defensive for lots of lots of the game and um, I nothing very good to say about it at all, buddy. No, no. So let's yeah, let's try and move on from this game. Uh, <laughs> talk about more about the reaction. So just query quickly, Glenn, like who was your top three? Top three uh, was it's very hard to pick, Ollie. To be honest with you, and I, and I just wanted to kind of give an idea of what I said. You know, I briefly said I'd going to give Walker a two. I'd give McCormick a four out of ten. Morrison a four out of ten. Fay a four out of ten. Now I picked Roland man of the match, but I still would have only given him a six out of ten, Ollie. So I think that gives you an idea of how poor this performance was. So I went for Roland uh, man of the match for the six. I gave I got. I, so sort of six out of ten. Uh, he he did try to keep things going. He had a, he had a long range shot that I remember actually second half where he sort of drove from midfield and, and actually had a, had a decent shout straight at the keeper though. I gave it Pierre second only because when he came on it did set us down. I know we conceded another two goals in the second half, but the way the first half was going, it was going to be a cricket score by half time. Um, so he did well to kind of settle things down in that initial period. And Wally just for his energy when he came on, um, he wasn't even on that long, but he, he probably deserved to be in the top three just because of how poor the rest were for the sort of the ninety minutes they played. And, you know, it's worth talking about the historical sort of importance of this game, Ollie, in terms of how bad a result this was. Um, because we've played a lot of League Cup games, haven't we, since we were in the Cup. I think we had our first games in the early 60s from, from looking at the stats this week. But it was an historically bad result. So it was our worst home defeat in the League Cup ever. Um, so we'd never lost a home League Cup fixture in the entire history of the club by by more than three goals before and funnily enough that was a game against Rotherham United in 1965-66 where we lost 5-2 at home so obviously we lost by three goals so yeah that, that record was trounced so we, we now have a new record uh, of a margin defeat at home four goals so not great on Ricketts' CV to be honest with you and I think you know that historical context kind of maybe leads us into why the reaction was probably as bad as it was from fans Ollie. Yeah, so I was keen to kind of get a sense from the fans and not make assumptions about why people were so angry because, you know, as soon as the, well, as soon as we conceded, as soon as the game kicked off, really, and we conceded two goals, people were pretty um, pissed off. <laughs> I just wanted to get kind of an understanding of, like, why people were were so annoyed. Um, so I put on, first of all, I put on Twitter, then I kind of screen printed that and put it on on Facebook to get a sense. So I said, you know, why 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 do you think fans got so angry is asking the fans for their thoughts. So I kind of listed team selection, formations, certain players being picked, last year's results or lack of confidence in the manager, which I thought was, you know, some of the reasons why people might feel this way. Um, but there's a whole range of things. And I think this is kind of a bit of a, a problem um, for the manager. Um, and obviously to erase all this and clean this off the slate, you know, to have a clean state, you can start winning some games. Um, but I think it's just, it was also, I think, had a big impact, not being back, had a big impact on the crowd's um, attitude in the game in, against Rochdale as well. Um, and obviously the fans are not doing it with the intention to kind of make it more difficult nope. for the team. Nope. Potentially they are because of where they are, but then, yeah, it's a sort of vicious circle. So what do some of the fans say? So Andy Smith said the team selection, the negative play, the players look like they rather been somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so that was quite interesting. Similar to some comments you said. And John Pritchard said, Rickett's got his own team, so let's see how he improves from last season, but don't hold your breath. So, yeah, someone who's not got, haven't got a lot of confidence in the manager there. Ian Ward-Pugh, I think it highlights the lack of plan B. Yes. Tactics-wise, and a lack of depth in certain positions. And things are coming together, so the reaction was a bit over the top, but, you know, we need to prioritise um, the checker trail. He wants to see, obviously, performance in the Cup. 
Gary Ray said, the fact of pay to see a good competitive game and I get a reserve team, uh, but you didn't want to not be the youngsters. He thought they were really good. And then on Twitter, the view from the Coracle said, wasn't impressed the team selection, changes a couple, yeah, but there's injuries, etc. but keep the core nucleus of the team together. Definitely. I think that links back to why the result was so bad to yeah. win, because yeah. normally we play our first team with maybe one or two changes for the for the League Cup. Um, but just to interject there a little bit, it, yeah, it does uh, make you wonder why we had to make those eight changes. I mean, we've got a fairly lengthy injury list now, I suppose, haven't we, with Williams, the shop, Norburn, Lawrence... Ado and Sears out, but also Waterfall was was out after that game. Obviously, we sold him before the next one, so it didn't really matter. And obviously, um, the left wing back got injured as well, didn't he, in that game as well? So we ended up, I think, with seven injured Goldborn. In, Goldborn, yeah, seven injured players before we played um, Rochdale on the Saturday. So I, I can understand that we had to kind of rotate it, but it does worry me a little bit about what you know where we're at with fitness. And he's made a big song and dance about having a fit team and run through walls and athletic team, and maybe that's the sort of thing that I, I felt a little bit from these two games. This week that people are starting to say is what he's presented to us as a team this year what he's been talking about over the summer period um, or is there still work to do and, and are we as fit as he would have wanted us to be still so that's to come out really but you can sort of see the first knockings of people starting to criticize that I suppose yeah yeah no I, I, I can see, see that see where you're coming from mm. there and then just a couple of comments to close this section off so um, Pete Oakley said pretty simple pretty simple for him conceding two goals in two minutes and effectively clearing the game yeah um, and basically shot ourselves in the foot and then it was uphill after that. And then Callum, not Callum, um, said, the lack of goal threat we show, Ricketts doesn't have a backup plan or the ability to influence games. Um, a lot of confidence was lost in him last year and he didn't show anything this season so far to make me think we'll be any better. Doesn't seem to value the cup either. So yeah, a whole range of issues and kind of discussion points and thoughts from fans there that, you know, there's a whole range of things. That, you know, it's, you can't just pick it on one thing. There's lots of lots of um, thoughts and a bit of a, a say. Let's call it a hangover from last season. Uh, it's definitely a hangover from last season. Another, another stat I looked into early last week to kind of understand it. And as as a Shrewsbury Town manager or any manager of, home, of of any football team, you need to keep your home fans happy, don't you? You know that's pretty important to your longevity as a football manager, um, as well as results. And and. And let's not pretend that the reaction at the end of the game, you know, I was there, was pretty poor from fans. There was a, there was a lot of angst, but you can put that down to the result and, and many of the factors you've just talked about. But deep down, Shrewsbury Town fans have been coming to watch Sam Ricketts' teams at home now for a fairly consistent and long period of time, haven't they? And, you know, he's been in charge for 18 games at home now, Ollie, right? Do you want to guess how many goals we've scored in that period? Poor. I would say the caveat that obviously last season he obviously had quite a poor team. But yeah, yeah. yeah still, 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 I don't know, I wouldn't like to guess. It's, better, it's probably less than 10. It's less than 18 games he's been in charge, it's 16, but we've also okay. failed to score at home seven times, eight now when you include the Rochdale game, um, and so that's 19 games in charge and, and 16 goals, eight blanks. Again, if you're looking at where areas where Ricketts needs to improve things to kind of keep fans on side and not let the angst and, and things that maybe flared up a little bit after this game return, home goals and and better winning margins. I think that's a big focus, really. You know, away games will be what they are, but unless you can pick that home form up a little bit and start to entertain a little bit more, um, I think I think you might be on a rocky patch. What worries me is the way we set up, and we'll come to possession stats and all sorts of stuff later on. But the way we set up doesn't set us up to score many goals, Ollie. And I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting thing. We're we're, we're picking up now. We'll come, ob- we'll come ob- on to tactics yeah. later. I agree. Completely I agree. Completely but wrong. I think you're completely wrong. Well, we'll about see. The, that the formation. <laughs> we haven't scored one goal, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, we'll come on to that later. I think you're completely wrong, but we'll come back to that. Right. Um, 
So yeah, do you want to? Let's leave that bit. Now. Let's, let's talk about the transfer dealings happening in the week. And the other, and the other thing I wanted to say, Ollie, just before we wrap bits up on this game, I suppose, is um, to give it a bit of context. I suppose in terms of bad results, and it was to say that historically bad League Cup result. But um, my my daughter said came to her first night game, you know, under the lights, and it was quite funny at three 0 She just turned around to me and she said, "Dad." Don't worry, it's not as bad as when we lost 7-1 to Chesterfield because she was at that game as well. And I thought that gives you a little bit of context, Ollie, sometimes about how bad it's been. Um, so that, I thought that was quite a, a funny place to end it, really, Ollie. So, um, yeah, yeah that... that did make me smile when I saw that on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. The, the, the innocence of youth, mate. I need a bit more of that in my life sometimes. So, um, yeah, there we go. Um, but that was it. I say the, the game was, it was a shambles all in all. And one that we won't remember. Um, and, you know, one that maybe had a little bit of an impact on the next game. Maybe maybe not as much as, as we would have thought. But, um, I think then it was worth moving on to, to the to the week really, Ollie, and, and the transfers that happened. Despite Holt's goal, it's been Shrewsbury who've had the better of this first period. And there's an opportunity that's headed in by Gavin Coward. They're back in front. So we're just going to move on now to what happened in the midweek, really. Obviously, we lost 2-0. Uh, sorry, 2-0. God, I wish. Lost 4-0 to Rotherham. And then, um, obviously, we had the sort of fan reaction to, to being pretty poor. Um, and lots of people saying, we need changes. Changes are needed. And let's be fair to Ricketts, he's seen his way to make some changes. Um, and so we had two players leaving and two players coming in. And, and probably two players that, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it, I'll get your opinion. Two players that kind of understand why they left and, and two players coming in that we definitely needed in that position. So I suppose let's start with Luke, um, old Luke Waterfall. He's been a he's been a funny one, hasn't he, Ollie, during our, our last year and a half of podcasts. But yeah, he's obviously got released with two years of his contract left to go and moved on to Grimsby. You, you suspect that they... We didn't lose too much money on that, you hope, and that Grimsby, you know, picked up a, a lot of his mm, wages. I suggest the way that the way it worked out, obviously, they weren't prepared to pay any money, and we got exactly. to pay him off. Exactly. So I do think we washed our face for a fair bit of that contract, but it'd be interesting yeah. to know how mutual uh, the whole thing was. But yeah, he went to Grimsby and got in their team straight away, and they lost on the opening day. So the waterfall factor continues. But um, yeah, we talked about his sort of last action for the town being quite poetic in terms of it being a bit shambolic. But I don't know overall views on your his, his time at the club, really, Ollie. From you, what, what are your overall feelings for him? It's really funny because um, there was some um, Grimsby fan saying basically I didn't know what I was talking about. I, you know, waterfall. It's <laughs> our fault for not getting the best out of waterfall. What? So I um, did this. So I did the thing where I searched um, waterfall for my own tweets from the Salotcast account, and I I've, then I did. A, I don't know if you saw this, Glenn. I did a, then a yeah. screen print of it and shared them, and they're really funny. The last one is the best. So before I go into it, so waterfall. You know, on the scapegoat thing, you can't call Waterfall a scapegoat of last season because he was among lots of shy professional football players yeah. who underperformed. So there was no scapegoats from us last season. Obviously, if there was one, it was Askey. So one, I don't think Waterfall was yeah. a scapegoat. And I don't think anyone's really called him a scapegoat. He's just been a bit shit. So I think my tweets are really funny. So, um, so, sec- so one of them was on the 1st of September. And it said, second pen given away by Waterfall in two games, three this season, hashtag fuck's sake. Um, and then I put, oh, there was a half-time summary I did, first, time, um, first half awful, um, and then I just put, Waterfall is awful. Um, and then there was this one where I then I put, under no pressure, Waterfall kicks a ball out of play. I think we can remember that one um, when we did that at home. You did that more than And then once. my favourite one, Glenn, this is my favourite one, and I put, um, a kid with no number just did Waterfall. So I can't remember what that game that was in, but oh no, that 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 was there. That was that kid who was really good for Newport. Oh, um, yeah. That youngster for Newport in the friendly against Ludlow. It was. It he was. Absolutely yes. did him. Yeah, yeah so it was the seventeenth of July. That's it. Wasn't too long back, was it? But um, yeah. I... I mean, for me, it's it, there's a couple of things that stand out in terms of his deer. That that opening period where he kept conceding penalties um, and unsettled the whole defence that was pretty poor. But when I think back to sort of 
the, the nadir for me, and I'm sure others will have more, is that Oxford game at home where we were desperate for the win, weren't we, you know, in that relegation battle, and we'd got ahead, we were kind of cruising, and suddenly Waterfall and Beckles combined to have that comedy moment where they, they let the guy score the, the second and third goal for his hat-trick, and we went on to lose that game 3-2, and, and to me that was kind of it, wasn't it? A lot of people packed their bags up with Waterfall and had had enough, really, and were calling for him to go, and have been doing that since the summer. So let's give Ricketts some credit. He's, he's obviously identified that Luke Waterfall is not League One standard, like we've been saying. Um, he did always try hard. He, he had mistakes in him. He was not the required quality, and obviously Sam Ricketts has seen that as a manager. Now, I, I can only think that I totally agree with Ricketts on this one, and I think a, a fair large majority of um, fans would. But, yeah, he'll go to Grimsby, and he'll probably be decent at League Two, I should imagine, Ollie. Yeah, I'm sure they obviously if they play with like a low block and defend quite deep yeah. um and not get him exposed by pace, he'll win every header um, you know, that comes near him. Um and he sounds like he's a really good pro in terms of what Sam Ricketts had to say when he left. So, you know, I'm sure he's a really nice bloke and I wish him wish him good luck. Yeah, and, and as I say, the, the highlight of just for me of his time here was the two goals at Wimbledon where he basically saved Askey's job for about a week and a half, didn't he, you know, in terms of turning that game around and kind of started to try and turn the fans around, but he made some mistakes in a couple of games after that and it kind of went downhill again. But for a small period after that game, I took my kids and I, he was, he was my daughter's favourite player for a while, but that's all gone now. Favourite player is Ryan Giles. She's, she's moved on and I think we all need to move on. But I've got one last question on Waterfall for you. I asked people on Twitter this and basically I had a resounding no, but... I asked the question, did Luke Waterfall do enough for, uh, as a Shrewsbury Town player for us to forgive him for that Wembley handball? No. No, I, no one said yes. So I was, wasn't surprised you said no, no. I think I think he's still in the villains column for what he did there I and mean, he hasn't really redeemed himself. So, um, yeah, we'll see him one day down the line playing for another team, probably. I, I, well, unless we don't, well, maybe we won't, Ollie. I can't imagine him back in, <laughs> back in League One anytime soon. But from one end of the sort of sort of spectrum in terms of a sort of older player moving down the leagues, um, we obviously had Abu Issa leave, didn't we, this week in terms of um, being sold to Scunthorpe. They paid money for him. I can't imagine it was a lot. It was undisclosed as usual, but... Yeah, I'd love to see the spreadsheet of our outgoings oh, this God. year because yeah. a lot of undisclosed fees and we've got fees for players, but I'd love to know what it comes up to. Probably not more than ten grand, but I'm no. probably wrong. Obviously, I have no idea, but yeah, no. there's been a lot of these undisclosed where we've got rid of Arnold and all sorts of players off. But yeah, absolutely no place for him in a squad, though, is there? You know, we, we no, live, I don't live think in a wingless is. world, and he, he yeah. can't play anywhere but the wing. I don't think. And um, no. Ricketts has had his has had his measure of him. Doesn't doesn't think he's got anything to offer us, and has tried to move out a, probably quite a small wage to to free some space up for Goss and Thompson coming in. But you know, just does feel like a little bit of a wasted opportunity because he did show flashes, and that that first goal he scored where he picked it up on halfway line, dribbled past a couple of players, and, and shot in from the edge of the box it was a good goal. And there was definitely glimpses of there being a good player there. And I personally hope he does go on to do quite well. But looking at the way Paul Hurst got Scunthorpe going at the start of this season, I think he's heading for another season of struggle. Yeah, obviously taking over a team. And also Ricketts has got the same challenges in you know, You've got a kind of team which isn't doing very well or a new team, you've got to build it, rebuild it. Yeah. On Issa, I think it's just he just needs to get some games and he needs to play a full season. Yeah, definitely. I don't you know, no other League One team have come in and taken him. So I think, you know, he did well at Colchester. I think a season or two at League Two could, you know, help him develop into a you know, you know, and you never know where he could go after that. I agree. Yeah. Um, and it's all about context. People will turn back and go, "Oh my god, we got rid of Visa." And I say he's playing for—I don't know—he's playing in the championship in a few years' times. He's only going to achieve playing in the championship through this journey he's on now. Yes, um, yeah. it's a bit like you know with the old um, Jimmy Collins. 
you know, the same as you know, got so many players that you need that journey and that story and yeah. that kind of that, that that kind of path you take to get to where you are. So fingers crossed he can do well, and yeah, it'll be nice to see him see him do something in his career. Yeah, he's, he's one of those players where you don't think he, you're going to just see him drift down the leagues like we have so many other players. I think Maybe there is not. there is a chance for him to turn it around. And, and he seems come, like a really nice lad. So yeah, come back fingers crossed, especially with his brother. You know, there's always that brotherly competition, and his brother's doing quite well. So maybe that'll spur him on over the course of his career. And um, you wonder if they'll ever end up in the same team. You never know. But yeah, wish him the best, actually. Um, and, and we'll see how his career goes on with Hurst. But uh, yeah, we might cover Hurst when we've got less to talk about because, mamma mia, it's not going well for him. He lost again. Um, but that freed up a bit of wages to bring in two central midfielders, Ollie. So first one was uh, Sean Goss, who is slightly German, but apparently is more Northern Irish or English because he can play for the Northern Ireland team for his grandparents. Born in Germany, moved here when he was eight. So I don't yeah. think he's got a German passport. But um, No. Yeah. You ha- yeah. I, yeah. Being a bit of a geek, yeah. <laughs> kind of, you, you have to have be a German citizen. One of your parents has to be a German citizen. Or on a permanent residency yes, to yeah. become a national, to become a German national, and his both of his parents were in the British Army. I think it was the British Army. They were, yeah. He, he isn't German. He might be able to. He's not, some countries allow you to take citizenship from where you're born, and some countries force it, like America does. That's why, yeah, they're they're, they're quite I, sneaky with trying to get tax off people. Mm, but um, yeah, not one. Germany isn't one of those. I was I was thinking he's probably the most German player that we've had, though, considering he's been there for eight years. But I suspect he's, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I don't know. Luke Weiler's pretty German. Yeah, he's Swiss. Sense. He was Swiss, wasn't he? But I think that one of um, German, something Swiss the, German. Yeah, yeah, something in the back of my mind makes me remember that. Was it? I'm going to say Gav Cowan now, and I could be completely wrong. But someone from that era, a centre back, was something like that, where their parents were in the army in Germany, and he was born in Germany. I'm pretty sure it was Gav Cowan. I could be wrong, however, it might have been one of those other defenders from that. We're period. often wrongly, yeah, so it's no problem. <laughs> well, I'll have to check it and put it on Twitter later. But yeah, he was released by QPR um, after not playing too much, and as you put here, Ollie midfielder can get things going, pass, good delivery, um, and we've actually signed him, haven't we, for two years, Ollie, which is pretty pretty decent, I think. Yeah, he sounds like he's a really good player. Um, he went from Exeter. He signed from by Man United from Exeter at the age of sixteen, and you know they don't do that unless you've got something about you. So obviously, technically, he's going to be quite good. He knows um, Roshan Williams and Love, and both played together in the youth. So it's good. That's quite good. And I think yeah, it's a good signing. Um, I think you know signing a a player that was you know wanted by a, had been wanted by QPR and Championship team. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, a really good signing. I was pleased with that one. First time we've signed a a, a well known set piece specialist as well for a while, isn't it, Ollie? Um, because that's what he was. We haven't had one for a while, have yeah, we? Obviously, no. Doherty was good, but yeah, I guess you have to go back to um, one um, one Mr. Davis um, for Davis, a real yeah. set piece. So yeah, Damn right, yeah, that was good. And then we signed another player on loan. Yeah, Louis Tomlinson. Thompson. Sorry, I want to say Tomlinson. I don't know why. Um, is he something? I think he's out of One Direction. Louis Tomlinson, isn't he? That's going to happen a lot on the podcast. I think Ollie. Not that I know much about One Direction, but Louis Thompson, uh, a midfielder on loan from Norwich. Um, so yeah, played with uh, Ricketts of Swindon. Apparently, I didn't know that, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on his interview. Um, so yeah, the interview did with the club. Um, he said that he played with um, Sam Ricketts of Swindon. He's a highly rated player. Yep. So he's got, his contract is until t- um, June t- um, twenty twenty two. Wow! So he's got a lot of years on it. Um, yeah, it's quite funny actually. Um, Becky's got um, a friend, a colleague at work who's a massive Norwich fan. Um, and as soon as the the story broke, he was WhatsApping her straight away, saying, "I can't believe you've got him. Like he's wow. such a good player." Good. Um, so that's quite encouraging. 
yeah, he's he's combative from everything I've read and, and can kind yeah. of be the sitter. He can be the That's what he sees as himself. He yeah. says, Yeah, he can he'll be he said he's the kind of player that, you know, he can he feels that he can contribute at both ends of the pitch. Good, good. But he has had a bit of an injury record, so we've got our fingers crossed that's behind him as well. But definitely two players then coming in that we needed in positions, particularly after what happened in that B team game in the week with an incredibly weak midfielder. And I think it probably forces Ricketts' hands to at least ship out maybe Walker and Roland on loan, I suspect. But um Yeah. We'll have to see how that goes. But um, yeah, so I think we've definitely recruited in an area we were weak in. Obviously, it's not the end well, of the recruitment we need. Well, weak in, but um, as Murray James says on Twitter today, that we've got 8,000 midfielders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a lot now, haven't we, to be fair? Oh, man. <laughs> I think that there's a bit of a, an excuse. I mean, I heard people saying that Thompson can potentially cover right or right wing back. So yeah. there's something there in that. Um, and obviously, Vince a lot. We, we've now been being told that he's fifth choice centre back, which... I cannot so get who's going to be the Doug Loft? Who's going to have the Doug Loft? We could almost create the Doug Loft Award. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> Every season we should have the Doug Loft Award. Mm. So who's going to be the Doug Loft Award this season? Is it going to be Walker maybe? Bless him. I think it's going to be Walker, isn't it? Yeah, he's probably never yeah. going to get it. We'll have to see how it goes anyway. But um, yeah, that, that's it really for the recruitment. We're, we're, and, and then obviously that meant we had two players who might be playing in the game against Rochdale on Saturday. So... Yeah, we'll so quality on. in, I yes. think that's important, True. and that's what's important for the rest of this window. Now it's all about quality. But yeah, I was pleased with those two, and yeah, um, some obviously they um, obviously Goss came straight into the, the starting lineup um, yes. on Saturday. He did, and that's what we'll move on to now. We'll, we'll look at the town game versus Rochdale. The League One side then took the lead. Scott Vernon's cross was headed home by Adam Mangan, an excellent way to mark his return to the club after a spell with Tranmere. So Shrewsbury Town nil. Rochdale nil. Yeah. So yeah, God. a draw. Um, attendance down a bit. Um, Five thousand six hundred. Um, obviously, we came to this game on the um, on back of two defeats. So MK Dons and against Rotherham. I was trying to think who we played. Rochdale came in on um, good form. They were undefeated. Um, fortunately, and we all expected this, and we had our first choice lineup um, yep. as it is at the moment. So O'Leary came back in goal. And we had Beckles, Ibex Landel, and Pierre in defence. Our two wing backs in Love and um, Giles. Um, we then played Goss came in, um, and we actually played the midfield three, which in a in a style that I thought we would actually play. So I thought I was quite pleased to see this. So we had Edwards and Goss as kind of like you know box to box midfielders, and then we had McCormick was playing a little bit more advanced, though he did still try and contribute defensively as well. And then we had Wally and Morrison up front. So was that the kind of team you expected, Glenn? It was a team I expected, having watched the, the game on the Tuesday. I, I, you know, there's there's an argument that Roland could have played over McCormick, to be honest with you, the way they both played on in the week. But um, he's obviously stuck with the lad we've got in alone. Um, that's yeah, that's the team I expected. I, I maybe expected Thompson, but I didn't know whether he was fit or not. But um, obviously, he came on as a late substitute. Didn't yeah, he, he hasn't uh, had as much of a preseason, um, so yeah. that's probably why he, he didn't play as much. But I predicted that team, I've, and, and I predicted Wally to start. I've, I think the only thing I got wrong was that I thought that um, Vince a lot would have played as well, um, but obviously he went for Goss. So yeah, I, I, it's Faye's, Faye's having a problems and in, in terms of getting in this team. And and you know, one of the interesting things about this game was that Morrison got subbed off for, for Faye. Wally played the whole game. He's not even a bloody striker, and he's playing the ninety minutes as a striker. It's it's very odd the whole striker thing. We'll, we'll come to that as we go through it. But yeah, I, I predicted that he'd start Wally just because he gave us more energy in the games this season. Um, um, and I was confident. I thought, you know, Ross Taylor started well, but I thought that was, you know, the way we played at MK Dons away from home. Yeah, Wally was a threat. And yeah, we'll come on to Wally maybe when we talk summarise where we are. But yeah. yeah, I can see you can see why he started this game. I can see why he's probably going to start every game until Faye gets his shit together, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it, but 
as soon as the game started, my, my confidence ebbed away pretty quickly, Ollie. I, I don't know what it was about that first 20 minutes. And I heard someone interestingly say at the end of the game, do you think that we were so passive in that opening period where the midfield really struggled to get out, Ollie? Because we thought we just wanted to see what Rochdale had to offer us. And then we try and hit them after 20 minutes. Do you, do, you think, do you think that's a legitimate excuse for what went on? I don't think that's what went on. <laughs> no, I don't either. No, I, think I don't we, think we... that went on. Um, I think... So yeah, a bit of analysis. Well, not analysis. We're not, and we're not pundits. We can't. It's our own <laughs> viewpoint. Let's call it that. Um, we really struggled at the start of the game to get going. Um, we're struggling with possession, as we'll come on to later. Man, you God, And yeah. one of the things that I think we're really struggling with at the moment is just trying to get shape and cover the the ground. So what was happening in the first twenty minutes, in my opinion, was that their fullbacks were just dominant. Were having a lot of possession, so that was their out ball, and they had a lot of time. And obviously, if you're playing 4-3-3 or 4-4-2, obviously you'd normally have a winger who is supporting and tracking in that area. And we don't have anyone. And especially if they switch the ball quite quickly, one of our central midfielders have got to trot over. And quite a few times you saw a bit of confusion between the wing back and the central midfielder about who mm. to track. Yeah. And one of them was yeah McCormick and there's Edwards and all different players. And just, I think they're all as bad as each other. Yeah, first 20 minutes... Rochdale, who are a very settled team um, and play a formation which they're obviously very comfortable in, yeah, just started the game much better than us. And I don't think there was any intention, and I don't think you'd ever go into a game, um, you know, at League One level intentionally going to, I don't know, sit out for a bit. No, I, I, I just agree. don't think we're that, we're that, that, we're that, that smart or that, that good to be able to do that. But no. yeah, it was, it, was, it was a slow start to the game, let's say, let's say that. But I don't think there's a game I've seen this season where any of the three midfielders have looked particularly comfortable within the sort of roles they're trying to play in midfield. And and well, we've they, had many midfielders have we played? No. Exactly, it's been different every week. But the, and there's different people around them. But it was evidenced by that opening period where Edwards. There was a couple of times where we broke, and they just all three of them were running out towards a halfway line at a slow pace. Whilst you had, um, I think it was Giles. But a then lot if the time. you run, that's the trouble we've got at the moment. Is that our defenders. Probably because our central defenders are sitting too deep. Mm, they were definitely they were all that, too deep. So they're yeah. sitting really deep. That means means then there was so much space for those three central midfielders to try and cover. Yes, and then if and then the fans were getting really angry, really angry. Um, I don't think it helps, but you know I can't blame them for having their having their sharing their opinion and they're frustrated for obvious reasons. But the trouble is, if one of the midfielders goes, he just creates a massive gap behind him. So then you've got two midfielders trying to cover the whole centre of the pitch. And while we say and we think that defensively we're doing better, we've had some clean sheets, there's, for me there's some glaring obvious issues with how we're kind of setting up and how we're able to press space yeah. and try and can get try and, try and stop them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, we're going to argue about whether it's a defensive setup or not later on, <laughs> Ollie, and you're going to keep telling me I'm wrong, but if I think it's defensive. And that first 20 minutes it just was horrible to watch. I didn't think it was good to watch, and it was not what home fans want to see. You do not passively let a team pass it around you for ages and just not impose your own game Unless you're playing Man City at home. Yeah, but yeah, we're not like, playing frigging exactly Rochdale playing at home. Rochdale, we've got a small budget. Fourth game of the season at home, and we, we already looked like we were standing off them, and I, I couldn't get my head around that first 20 minutes. Now, to be fair, they got out. The defence stepped up, and it pushed the midfielders over the halfway, in, uh, halfway line finally, and I don't think we were as poor during the rest of that game as that opening 20 minutes, because we were really poor. Um, but they got out eventually, and it started to change the game, didn't it? So, yeah, we started to come out then and start getting at them. Um, so Giles had a cross where he went to the back post, headed by Pierre back over um, into the six-yard box, and Ebanks Landall headed headed um, towards goal, and it was saved yeah. by the keeper, and that was definitely the, our first best chance of the game. It was, it was a good chance, that wasn't it? And um, yeah, you know, 
essentially Giles is our best attacking player and he's playing in the wing back because he's he's deadly, you know. And what Wally's been good in some of the other games, he wasn't quite as good as Giles this week, I didn't think. But um he's he's really good player. He gets forward and he, and he really sort of um can put players he on terrorizes defenders. And, and again, another whole red thing I've been reading about is his crossing, you know. Why is he not finding people? We'll come to that, I suppose. But he definitely is the outlet and he definitely is um providing a lot in terms of those attacking positions. Um just wish a couple of midfielders get up and help him. It'd be a big, big, big good, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, yeah he, he did well in that first opening exchange. Um, then there was a bit of a, an inter- interesting moment later on, wasn't there, where Edwards went down into a tackle. And yeah, I heard you him. make a noise at this point. <laughs> I thought he was dead. Thought, oh, he's injured again. That's yeah, the way his knee so. like, like mm. looked like it buckled, and I was like, oh god, here we go. Edwards is out again. But they didn't but stop. He got up. They didn't. Yeah, oh, that was a bit later on actually. Another player went down injured, and they counterattacked on us. But yeah, he did get back up, and but yeah, but because he lost the ball, they had passed and moved into the into the box. Um, but uh, we forced them wide, didn't we, from that chance? Yeah, good pressure in from yeah. Goss. Good defending, good track backed, and the player um, went wide, um, which was quite good. Yeah. And then well, there was, a, again, there's, this was then, so obviously Rochdale had to dominate the first bit of play. Then we had a few chances, and then they had a few more chances again. They did. Um, so there's another one where they had a great counter attack by, um, by Rathborough, who I remember playing, um, he remind, I remember um, when we played them at their place last season. He's a really annoying player. I don't know what it is about him. I just find yeah. him so annoying. He's got a massive receding hairline with like this weird headband. It's the hair. <laughs> yeah, but he's really annoying because he had last season he had a much more sensible short back and sides. But yeah, he's a really annoying player, which is really funny because basically they can attack from a corner. Really poor tracking back by McCormick and Edwards was all over the place. Um, and yeah, he, the little shit fires and has a terrible shot. Really poor, but there was pressure from Goss again. Um, so two times in that first half, he got back and, and you know made a good defensive contribution. But yeah, we're all at seeing that counter attack. And if he was a better player, um, you know they should have scored at that opportunity. It's poor. It's poor miss. To be fair, I thought he was all right in general. Uh, yeah, he's quite a fair. good player. Yeah, he's, he's just he, I just find he, him really annoying for some he, reason. You know, he's the sort of player you'd want at the tip of our midfield, sort of going you know up and down because he didn't stop running. He ran and ran and ran. That lad, to be fair, and he had the fitness. But yeah, he's one of those annoying players that you wouldn't really hate when they play against you. But yeah, I mean, to me, that's where Goss did most of his work. You know, he. he I don't want to say he was a defensive midfielder because you're shouting at me, but he did most of his best work breaking things up on the edge of the but, box. But the midfield didn't pass the ball, did yeah, we? We, had, they didn't. we very when we did have attacks, it was very lightning quick attacks. There was very few passes, which can be a positive, obviously. Um, that you know you have a few passes and you get an opportunity at goal. That, you know that can be great, but when you've been under pressure and. Yeah, there was a moment when Rochdale had completely dominated us. I think it was actually near the end, near the end of the first half, and the town players played it along the back line. I think it was the first time they did that in the whole game. Mm. And sorry, up to this point, it was like twenty minutes in, and the town fans started booing. And you're like, guys, like we've just been under pressure for ages, and yeah, I think sometimes it was dull players, though, Holly. That's why yeah, it was dull. So but, dull. But we've just been under pressure for ten minutes. Yeah, I Let's get. Let's keep I the ball it. for a second. Let's keep the, the ball will, for a second. The will um, of the crowd but, and all that. Yeah, but. Yeah, frustrated. Um, and then there was a couple of then there was then there was a couple of opportunities still before the half ended. Um, there was a run of shots which we should have scored in. So basically, there was a shot in the box blocked um, from a McCormick shot. Um, Rochdale tried to counter attack, but an absolutely brilliant tackle from Love, who then sprays a wonderful ball over to Giles. Giles then crosses into Morrison, whose shot is saved. Um, and then then Wally has another chance and then goes wide and we really really should have scored um, from that for at least once in that in that that bit of run of play. Yeah, a bit better by Morrison, whose performance again 
massively f- f- just flattered to deceive me, to be honest with you. I mean, that was his only shot on target in the whole game. Is it his only shot on target in the whole of the season? Yeah, I think he, maybe he had one opening season, but he's not created anything. Yeah, he had a good shot away at MK Dons, but yeah, I haven't seen a lot from him so far. No, and and like it was funny. I went out and I was standing outside Little, and I was like, "Man, he didn't talk to some people I know." And he was like, "He didn't move around. You know, he looks like a bit of an old man." And then they were, they kindly remind, reminded me that he is an old man, and therefore you might not see the most mobile sort of work out of him. And to be honest with you, you know, I can you know we'll come to the tactics again as we move on. But to me, having someone that's not mobile like him in this formation doesn't work at all. If you're going to do what we're doing, and and he's going to be one that sometimes comes deep, he's flicking it onto Giles or Wally, and then we're going as a unit and we're trying to get up there for the cross expecting Edwards or McCormick to join in. He, there was a couple of times where it happened, Ollie, where he just could not get back to the box quick enough. And by the time Giles was looking, he either had to put it in early and there was no one there. And that happened a lot. We'll talk about it in the second half. Or he then had to cut back because he knew no one had joined him and it takes the momentum out of the attack. And I think that, you know, it is a bit of an issue with his mobility for me. Yeah, I think it's it's a good point, actually. I, I, haven't really, I didn't really watch him a lot in the game. He's not something I was focused on. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting. that's an interesting point. Might even have a look back at... You know where is he when we put these crosses in, um, and that's one of the things that I think it's a bit of a summary for the first half, is that we moved the ball quite quickly. We didn't have a lot of passes, mm. and we did get into some dangerous areas quite a few times. So at least four or five times throughout the game, we had Pierre, we had um, Giles or Worley doing a cross from inside our box, from all inside love. the opposition box. Yeah, all love. So we're really good. At, we got, we're quite effective at getting to that point because we got into that position at least five or six times in the game. What we then struggle with, and I don't know the root or the answer to this, is it that the crosses and the pass is poor or is it that the run, which you were maybe alluding to there, Glenn, is that, you know, for example, Morrison isn't getting in the box. So obviously it's Wally crossing in, there's only any tension you one striker. But there's not enough people in the box, or the cross is poor, and I don't quite know yet which one it is. But there's, we've definitely got an issue with you know creating those, t- turning those opportunities into chances. It's a bit of column A and a bit of column B, Ollie. I think you know it's a it's a bit yeah. of both of those things you described. For for me, I think you've got the defence and those wingers. And that's fine. And the goalkeeper, that's fine. And then that bit of that tactic is working well. What we haven't got is the middle bit sorted. The two strikers and the midfielders. Until they can kind of get the, the, those five players functioning in a, in a way that works in that tactic, this tactic won't work properly. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, no, I, I totally not agree with you. And that's, my, and that's almost yeah. the, my position. That's my point about... So let's have the discussion now about the tactics. Yeah, go on. Why not? Playing three at the back is not a defensive formation. It's yeah. not a defensive formation. <laughs> Any formation can be defensive. You can play four four two, and none of your midfielders go across the halfway line. But you could have played four. You can play three in defence, and your wing backs never ever come back into your own half. So just two, two examples. Sorry. So Sheffield United last year, they had an amazing season in the Championship, playing three at the back. Man City play three at the back. So. It's not about three at the back, and it's not about formations. And this is what interest. This is what Hurst was going on about. Remember when the the media was asking what formation he plays, and, what he, and he said it's not about the formations, about like where the players are and how they move and what they do. Which which is where I agree with you, Glenn. Yes, it's not about the formation and when we because you know, players don't play in three five two one or whatever three five three five two. Yeah, it's about how you move and where they go. So. We are defensive because we're not making the runs and the strikers are not getting in the right place. And that's where I totally agree with you. The midfield three and the um, strikers 
are not contributing enough effectively and we're not linking up together. And while Giles, the reason why I think Giles has been so standing out is that he can make stuff happen himself. Mm-hmm. Well, Love, I think, is a great player. I think I'm going to turn, I think I'm really going to like him as a player. I do. But yeah. he needs that midfield to pass him to him and give him the opportunity to cross the ball. Yep. He's not getting that because he's not keeping the ball, which goes back to your point, Glenn. Midfield is really poor. Strikers are really poor at the moment. I, I agree with you, Ollie. That tactic is not necessarily a defensive formation yeah. because we've so seen just, it's, it a, it's an easy yeah. it's an easy pit to fall into. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's about how you play, isn't it? Not necessarily. I agree. Formation. And I'm judging me saying that on how we've been playing it, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it isn't it isn't the wing backs who are defensive. Sometimes we've said, God, this defensive formation, five at the back, the wing backs are not getting out. That, that's not true. Love and Giles get forward more than the midfield. Yeah, like, I totally agree. With the you. team that's different to last season. So last season we yes. did play defensive full back wing backs because yep. we were yep. just trying to fight for survival but what we've got now is three midfielders it doesn't matter who they are that just get stuck on the halfway line or one of them gets stuck even further back and and whether it's the defense not pushing them out or it's it's them not wanting to get out enough because they're worried about their legs and getting back that's why it looks defensive and to me that that's why we'll come on to the possession now because we'll cover the rest of the second half but this brings me back to my possession point because we've now had four games and a pattern has developed in terms of possession so far our possession stats three games of these have been at home are 40 percent possession 41% possession, 39% possession, 40% possession. So on average, we've only had the ball for 40% of the games, ah, which is poor. Yeah, it's not, right? sorry, just correction, it's not possession, yes, it's about sorry. the number of passes. It is, yeah. But you're okay, still fine. roughly right that, yeah, yeah obviously yeah. opposition's having a lot, playing a lot more passes than us. Which means, for me, we're too passive, right? And that comes down to the way the midfield are playing and, and us not getting out. But as a comparison, you know, let, it's it's good to give it some context. Last season under Askey, that terrible run at the start of the season, the possession stats were 40 55, 50, 48. Okay, so that's up at an average, you know, closer to 50 than it is 40. Under Hurst, playing the same tactic, we were at 58, 52, 48, and 45, right? Now, to me, that Hurst comparison is interesting because it was the same tactic. What it feels like to me is we do not, or we haven't quite yet got the players to play that tactic to a more efficient way so that defence gets out. You've then got more comfortable time on the ball to pass it around to the back, get more of the possession, get more of the the, the, the control of the game, and then look to spring those breaks. That that's the difference for me, Ollie. Which is the option we, we, B, which is people yes. criticising Hurst and Hurst for Ricketts for not having option B, an option B is possession based style of tacking, which we can't do because we don't keep the ball. Yeah, yeah. our kind don't... of yeah when we try and switch the ball really fast as we've seen and where we use love. And Giles, God, if we didn't have Love and Giles playing well, God knows where we would be. We really would be probably quite depressed. But yeah, and that's where for me that's a little bit of potential that, you know, the team is can get better. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Our possession-based ability to keep the ball obviously then puts us under pressure. But yeah, it means that we're struggling to create some more chances. And not just that, Ollie. When we haven't got this ball, when we do get it, it's forcing us to rush. So we did play a lot of long balls to Morrison again. You know, we didn't do it as much as we thought we were going to. But there were times where we just recycled the ball too quickly or got it out because we were under pressure. And that's where we're lacking the controlling games. And we've seen in Ebanks Landau, he can play really good long balls. Oh, the level and Giles, Pierre right? as well can but launch some balls as well. He's doing it from a really, really far back. And, and they're picking up just over the halfway line rather than in more advanced positions where they can look to take one touch and cross. And so the whole the whole thing is, they. I, I agree that tactic can work, but I just feel like we're, we're defensively, you know, as much as we're giving them credit, they are staying too deep. They're forcing the midfield to sit deep. And that means we're leaving the ice strikers isolated. And and that, to me, is where this tactic's not for, it's falling down. Now, Ricketts' thing he's got to sort out is get the defence out a bit more often, be confident they can play near the halfway line rather than just between their, the halfway line and the box, and then find us some strikers 
uh, or hopefully he's found two midfielders that can play in that tactic and get it working a bit more with a bit more di- dynamism in midfield. That's my observation from the first four games of the season. You know, yeah. it could change quickly, but that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and we'll we'll come back to this a little bit where we are as a yeah, team. Yeah. We've covered quite a few good points there, which seem natural in where we were, but. Let's finish off the second half and we can come back to this yeah. discussion. Um, so in terms of action points in the second half, and there was a free kick from Goss um, where there's a brilliant ball into the box and Morrison only had to have a tiny little header onto this and even gone into the back of the net. Yeah. Ricketts himself said that he thought that was in. Um, so that was that was um, yeah a great another great opportunity. Um, there was a free kick from Rochdale which went straight down to... Um, into O'Leary is easy save for him but still hit quite strong um, and then there was a point where Wally was booked for diving what was your thoughts on that Glenn? Bang on it was a good dive and well it was a terrible dive because I flipping hate it and I always criticise him for it but yeah he was banged to rights and he should have been dived to book for simulation there wasn't even any town fans really complaining against it which tells you a lot now you know people are kind of sometimes when he gets booked you don't really have any credit in the bank for it because he's done it a few times so um, it was poor wasn't it I don't like to see it yeah, I think it was poor, and yeah, it was he was right to get booked, and I wish he wouldn't do that, but I guess he made that decision at that time. That's his, that's his right. Um, then there was a, another cross um, from Giles. He did several men um, and crossed into the box, and the keeper picked it up. Um, and then there was a really nice counter attack um, driven by Edwards, which is what this is what we've been wanting to see from Edwards. So he drives forward with the ball, um, gives it to Wally, who has a shot. A really good shot, and it kind of comes through the defender's legs, and the keeper makes a really, really good reactionary save, um, and then it falls to Faye, who blasts it over on his left foot, oh, and where Edwards failed over. And yeah, in that, and again, this comes back to a bit where people were saying, "Where's this?" Because I posted as I often do early in the day about the XG stats, and as we've covered so far, we had chances in this game. Yes, we but, had but we had chances. There was two did, good yeah, chances yeah. in this this one move. But Faye and Morrison are just not at the party. I'm afraid. We should and, have nor, scored, and that's nor, the thing. Nor is nor is Wally. He, get, he, no. he was dynamic and pushed us forward. I wouldn't put him in my top three because sometimes it was a little bit headless to be honest with you. Yeah. And and it's good. We've we've gone through that now. You know, we can talk about the rest of the things that happened. And I think it's just worth saying one thing after that is that there was another place where one of the Rochdale players dived and he should have been yeah, booked. Henderson that was bloody annoying. And, and then, then there was a disallowed the, goal. Yeah, yeah which, which was probably right. I think. Yeah, I think so. The player motioned towards the ball. Um, if he'd done nothing and just kind of. I, don't, I still don't, I disagree. If you're in that area, you're influencing play, um, whether the defender's moving towards you or the goalkeeper or what. But yeah, he moved towards the ball. He touched and I think it was I the think. right decision. I'm not sure if it touched him. He kind of went in between yeah. his legs. Um, but he yeah. influenced. He went towards went towards the ball, which meant he was offside. So yeah, thank God that was. He was trying to get out of the way of it, wasn't he? Which is, but he just made it look worse than it was. But one yeah. thing I would just say is, I think actually even then, you know, it was a it was a hard you know a hard point that we won in the end because we, we've talked about a lot of the chances we had and tried to be positive there, but. Deep down, we had, you know, a home game. We, we talked about the possession where we got battered on that. But we had 13 shots. Yeah, we created chances. They created 16 chances, Ollie. They, you know, they created three more than us. And they put one more on target, to our, you know, four to our three. So, you know, as much as we had chances to win it, I, I'm I'm firmly in the camp of we could easily have lost it as well. It was a very oh, yeah, it was, league one game draw... where one goal would have won it, you know. Yeah, I, I put in my summary of the game that my draw, I think, was a fair result. Yes, probably. I think it Just was, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, both teams could have won it. Um, but while we didn't play very well, I will say that we created chances and we are yep. getting into positions to create chances, which gives us some hope. Yeah, we're, we're missing that midfield and, and striker core until we get that sorted, get them playing consistently and get two strikers that are on the same bloody wavelength would start. I mean, Morrison's headers didn't find anyone the whole game. He only won a couple of headers. Again, I was disappointed in his contribution all round, Ollie. Um, and what, what him and Wally just doesn't seem... 
we've only got Wally in there just for his energy and his drive, really, hopefully, hopefully he can find a good cross. But there was no, no point in that game did I think, oh, Wally and Morrison will be a good strike partnership. Not not one thing between them the whole game, I thought. And so that's not ideal. I think we need to, a strike partner. If you're going to play Morrison, you've got to find someone who can play with him and form a partnership. And that hasn't happened yet. So I've had my say on the midfield and the strikers. I think that, that's where the issues lie still, and that's where we need to recruit. But let's quickly go through the top three, Ollie. Go on. Yeah, I went for Giles um, and Love um, for obvious reasons. And I went for Goss because I thought, you know, he did some good defensive contributions. He put a good set piece in. He did a few decent passes. Considering he's only done one training session, I thought that was good performance. Yeah, it was solid. His set pieces were good as well. He put a really wicked free kick in at one point, didn't he? That was, that was really good. But um, I went for Giles and Love as well. Their, their dynamism down the flanks was the only thing that kept in it at times. And I went for Pierre third, mainly because of that amazing overhead volley he did in the first half, which he <laughs> almost scored from. Um, but he is good. He did another one of them yeah. lung busting runs through the middle as well. And, and he is someone at the back that's probably, again, still standing out above the others at the moment. Um, so that was it, really. Go on, run through Ricketts quickly because, uh, yeah, we've gone deep on this because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, we have. So, um, so yeah, he was, you know, it was a good point, clean sheet. Um, you know, he's saying that we're definitely in our infant stages in terms of what we're trying to do with so many new players. You saw in spells what we're trying to do and some spells we didn't. At times it looked like we're still learning. It was a whole new team. And he goes on, goes on to mention how many new players we've had, um, you know, um, in terms of the offside, he said, yeah, it's definitely an offside because he, you know, he tried to play the ball. Um, and they said that, and he said that there's so much to come from everyone, um, and he does allude to the main focus has been on defending. Um, so obviously that's something to work on. But anyway, then he also mentions about Fancelot that Fancelot that that he was injured um, in the MK Dons game. Why wasn't in the team today? Which Back is a bit of a concern. We've got a lot of injured players, and is that is that just yeah. is that just coincidence? A bit of bad luck, or is there a root cause to this? Which is, which is a bit of a concern. It's hard for us to tell. We can't really say that for any clarity, can we? No. But we'll see as the season goes on. If we keep having these niggly injuries and having eight players injured, it's going to affect us pretty majorly. But some of them are harsh, aren't they? Sears has been a long-term one. So's the shop. So that takes us down to two. Um, you know, Williams the other week was just hard, wasn't it? Sprinting back. Those things yeah. can happen in any game. So maybe we're just a bit... Let's say we are probably a bit unlucky with injuries at the moment. But... Um, that's right, really. You wanted, you know, we've we've actually covered quite a lot during this podcast about where we're at a team and, and some of the yeah. tactics. But sort of talking about where we're at in general, you know, four games into the season, it is worth just having a quick look at where we're at. And and you asked me for my thoughts, and you've obviously took yours and, and some some bits and pieces. So I'll just run through. I, I basically wrote sort of seven things down on a list, really, of where I'm at. But um, you might have covered. We might have covered some of these. So I'll, I'll just read through them quickly. But for me, I still think the team's coming together and that's four games into the season, which is not ideal, but I think a lot of that can be blamed on the transfer window this time. We would have had our, our you know, when was the old transfer window? It was Yeah, it was we would have we ended at the same time as the Premier League and Championship. Exactly. So we would have had what we had and we would have been working on it and we wouldn't have still been making changes. So bringing two players in and, and having two players go out now four games into the season is not ideal really, but I know other teams are in that boat. Maybe some teams are settled and that's fair. They'll probably be the ones we'll that start the season better. Yeah, so it is coming together still. I'll give Ricketts credit on that one. Um, and to me, it looks like some of Ricketts' plan A's that he had for the season are not working. And I think you can look at Morrison and McCormick, who I think he probably had high hopes for starting every game and being influential, that it's just not clicking with them at the moment. And so maybe he's having to think about what he can do to change his initial plans that he, he had for the season going forward. Um I've talked about what I think about the, the sort of negativity of where we're at, and I don't want to really run over that again, only because I thought we had a good conversation on that. But... Um, the next thing I put was Morrison, who is an issue, which I think I've covered as well. I, I just think we need a striker who's faster, um, who can do the same job as him and be physical, but is more is more is is quicker and more athletic. That's where that's where I would recruit, and not a Faye type like a Carlton Morris type, if you will. That's what I think we needed rather than a Morrison. Um, 
And then I thought this week showed us there wasn't a huge amount of goodwill in the tank for Ricketts still, which is going to be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I'm still fairly neutral on the whole thing, so we'll see how it develops. But it's quite clear from listening to fans over these two games that there is some negativity under under the under the hood, and if it doesn't go right, it will come out quicker than maybe people expect. So that's not that's not me prom- prompting anyone to be like that. It just feels like it from online and being at games. Um, and as I say, Ricketts needs to get it going in the next four to five weeks, Ollie. I think he's he's going to have to have a couple more wins on the board really to to keep it going. Um, another thing we briefly mentioned on this one is Plan B. I think Ricketts has made a mistake in hemming us into what he's got by letting Issa go. We cannot play any tactic without. Um, with wingers so if we get found out with this tactic or it keeps not working where do we go we, we, we will really struggle to change it in a very significant way to, to shock teams or, or surprise teams no one's going to go into a game of Shrewsbury wondering how the hell we're going to play so I think that's an issue for me having no wingers and no plan B um, and, and we'll see as the season goes on because we'll, you always need a plan B at some point things don't always go right um, for me positives defence and keeper absolutely no issue we do not have to significantly worry about any of that um, and he does deserve credit for the recruitment in those positions for me, um, particularly the wing-backs who, who are starting to look pretty stellar. Um, but yeah, that, that good record to me, maybe at the start of the season, does show that we're pretty defensive. So time will tell whether it is the quality of the players or, or how we, we've been sitting back at times. And to me, if you look at where we are now, we're 12th of the table. That is more than acceptable, Ollie. And we could still click, we could sort those five positions out and we could have a great season because no one so far that we played, even Rotherham that looked pretty good at times, should be fearful, you know. This this league is still a tight league, and if you can get it right, there's a good season to be had. So, I don't. That's my summary, I suppose. Four games in. Yeah, quite a few of those points I'd agree with. I'd describe this league as like a big sea of beige. In terms <laughs> of, you know, there's a lot of average teams in it, and yeah, I think I think you know there's still potential, lots of things to get excited about. Um, in terms of me, like I've kind of yeah, as I put on Twitter, good and bad. Um, I said I've put defense looking solid, and then I've kind of put a, an asterisk next to it and said. That's about the personnel. So I think we've been quite lucky in sense, you know, obviously Portsmouth were lucky to get a clean sheet and Rochdale were lucky to get a clean sheet. So while we can talk about defensive being a strength, I think it's about more about the personnel we've signed rather than the actual performances we're seeing. Um, good things for me in terms of sort of the signings that we've seen play a few games, it seems to be. Obviously, we had Williams last year was a great signing and then building on with Loves and Giles and Pierre and Ebanks and O'Leary are good signings. And hopefully the new players will be good as well. As I mentioned, we do get into good areas quite quickly, so good transition. Um, and in terms of obviously threat, Giles is huge. Um, and I think the big one for me in terms of the good thing is I think that we've got potential to improve because the team is going to get more used to each other um, and we're going to get a lot better. But I totally agree with you, Glenn. I, I, where we play, we try and get balls across the box and play low crosses. We need strikers to get on the end of it and maybe Morrison just isn't quick enough for that. You know, someone like... Do I say it? Tyrese Campbell will probably quite enjoy those kind of balls. And yeah. you think Faye would as well, but he doesn't seem to be in a lot of confidence at the moment. I'm not sure. He doesn't seem to be. But maybe he just needs someone to work with him. Who knows? We've messed him around a little bit, really. You know, he was the main man here. He was the top goal scorer last season, and that is clearly already four games in, not the case. So he's almost having to start again, which, as we saw last season, he took a long time to get up to speed. And, yeah. you know, maybe he's back in the same boat now. Feels easy if he's one of our best strikers, maybe just yeah. put him in there and try. And the play, way we're playing should play to his strengths because you've got, you know, as where Angos and Edwards got getting in the ball, and, you know, we've got players that can play through balls which is one of his strengths and doing these low crosses he should be like you know getting his toe on the end of them so fingers crossed he can come good um in terms of bad thing obviously clearly the lack of goals is a big concern um you know poor finishing as well as we've mentioned we are creating chances 
Um, and yeah, just repeating very quickly a few things you've mentioned already is in terms of, I said, the midfield is not working both offensively and defensively and the time and space we're given the opposition fullbacks. And then I'm going to be a little bit controversial here, Glenn. While I love Worley, he's a really good player. He's been a great servant for the club. He is not, a, I don't, I'm going to say it, and I might get in trouble for it later on, he is not a League One striker. No, not, not um, at all. And I, it's in, so I'd be love to be proved wrong. He gets over 15 goals. If he gets 12 goals, something like that, then you know, then you could maybe say, actually, you know, he has been a, a League One striker. But I'm really concerned that going to the season, having Morrison and Wally as my front two, doesn't give me a lot of confidence in <sighs> the season. No. And I, I wouldn't go to a game thinking, oh, great, I'm going to see Wally and Morrison up front today. No, I don't think that's that controversial, Ollie, to be honest with you. Everyone loves him. Um, no, I just mean in terms Ricketts of say, built... make statements sometimes yeah. come back to bite you, but yeah, I make a statement there. Wally isn't a league one striker. Another thing people can point at Ricketts is he's built a team that doesn't include our really in his natural position, our best one of our best players in League One. Someone who's one of those players who's proved to be pretty consistent yeah, in League One. Then, it's weird. I I yeah, there's yeah, that's, that's another argument is there should you build your whole team around Wally? I'd probably say not. No, but... I would say no as well, but you know, certainly trying to jam him in at right wing back last season and now up front doesn't seem to really help no. either way, does it? So we'll have to see where it goes with him. I can see him sooner or later being Ronak. Really but that could maybe team. work if you have someone who's just as fast as him and can get in and you know he can, he can score some goals and do an assist. But yeah, the, the strike line, mm. is forward line is weak and I guess the confidence, the only kind of optimistic point we can take at this point is that number nine shirt is um, empty at the moment. Available. You did ask for some fans. What Did any of our listeners have anything to say on that? So yeah, we had... Um, Toronto shoes saying the good with about talking about Giles and Love. The bad is not scoring um, enough goals. Weak up front, no end product, um, and no conversion. Um, Sam Roberts, um, good defense looks pretty solid, particularly Pierre, Ebanks, Landol, and P- uh, Max in goal. Um, Ryan and beating defenders is a big positive. He's his bad is a lack of goal scorers. Um, he's the midfield is really poor, and he's not very impressive. Sam Ricketts tactics. Mm. Um, another one um, is our, is James. Um, I'll go for. He said, "Good. He's Wally. He's our most gifted attacker and bad. Our most gifted attacker doesn't fit into the system of three five two. So obviously, while he sees Wally as one of our best players, he doesn't think he fits into the team. And yeah, a lot of people saying very similar things. So it's Rich, Pete Oakley, Mark Carter, Sam, um, all saying things um, very similar to what we've yeah. mentioned already. Interesting. Yeah, I think everyone's starting to get on the same page with where we're at, aren't they? So it's interesting that there's, there's been quite a lot of crossover with what people are saying. But um, that's interesting. I mean, we, we'll roll straight into predictions now because we, we really have had a lot to break down this week. So it's going to be <laughs> yeah, a, a fairly a long podcast. But, it, it, you know, hopefully people have found that interesting. Because I, I find it interesting starting to put it all together on my head, Ollie. So, yeah, we, we have been getting a lot of listens at the start of the season, which we should thank people too. So obviously people are, people are finding it at least uh, marginally interesting. Um, but, yeah, we've got the two games this week. And to me, Ollie, it's interesting. Um, we've got two games coming up that are both winnable, to be honest be looking at the way they've started so so just to cover it we've got Accrington away on Tuesday night which I'm going to go to um, they haven't won yet they've got one draw and two losses they've only got a point um, and to me that's a game we should be looking to go and impose ourselves on at, at Accrington with their budget we should definitely be and the way they've started that's a game we should try and push ourselves going on so that's the first game and then obviously we've got Burton at home who are 16th they've got one win but they've lost two games so again not started as well as us um, so to me this week I think it's it's two games where if we're going to start to turn things around now get Goss and Thompson in for a couple of days training these are two quite good games to have at this stage Ollie do you think? Yeah good good, um, good games to have um, two league games as well in some ways having this game on the Tuesdays in some ways not ideal because we probably would have wanted a bit more time um, to kind of bed in the new players um, but yeah you know who knows where we will be next next Sunday maybe we'll be in a yeah a pit of despair or we could be um, yeah 
incredibly happy and excited <laughs> about the rest yeah, of the could, season. We could, it could be, you know, quite defining in terms of this opening period, couldn't it? Really, even one win and a loss wouldn't be too bad, to be honest with you. And that keep us sort of mid table, so that would be fine. But who, who knows? It's, it, who knows what it is? In fact, we say who knows. We'll do the predictions very quickly last year because um, we both got Rochdale wrong, didn't we? Both went for a win, so that's no points for either of us. But we're going to predict Burton at home next week. So are you still as confident for a win as you were last week, Ollie? Oh, if I was putting a bet on, I might go for a draw. Mm. Um, oh, I'm I'm a bit concerned. Burton always a bit of a bogey team for us. Apart from the first time when we played them in the league and we beat them like three 0 or something. Yeah, we've always struggled against them. Um, so I'm actually going to go for a one all draw. Yeah, I was just looking at how many goals they've scored. So they've they've they have scored. Let's have a look here. They've got a goal difference of minus one. So obviously they've um. They've let in more than they scored. Let's have a look here. They've scored two, let in three. So they've scored more goals than us, but they've obviously let in a lot more goals than us. So um, maybe it's a chance for us to get a, a goal or two against them. But yeah, our, our record's brilliant at the moment in the league. Ollie, we've seen it. We have played three, won three, lost... Sorry, played three, won one, lost one, drawn one, scored one, conceded one. <laughs> so it's pretty binary at the moment, isn't it, our season? So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to change those numbers over this week and uh, yeah, maybe push up towards... Uh, you know, getting a few points to put us near the playoffs. You never know; it could could turn around and be decent yet. So, there we go, Ollie. I think that's what a play, good place to leave. Uh, what? Oh, I didn't say, did I? No. Um, I'll go for us to win two nil. Two. I'm conf- I'm confident at some point it will click. Maybe I'm. If you I'm keep going two nil all season, it will happen eventually. Maybe. <laughs> it's weird that I'm the positive one, Ollie. But there we go. Um. So yeah, thanks to list for listening, everybody. Really, I, I hopefully that's. I think it's been good to try and bring everything we've sort of felt from the fan base this week a little bit into sort of crystallisation and put our thoughts into it really because it's, it's interesting how this season's going. Um, so yeah, cheers for everyone for listening. We will be at both games this week and we'll be back with some sort of in-depth analysis. Is that fair, Ollie? <laughs> of Shrewsbury Town Football we'll Club. We'll be talking not, not... about the game. Let's talk about that way. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back next Sunday and uh, cheers for listening. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Oh,